That's perfect for today because today's Super Bowl. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to separate. We're going to have everybody rooting for the Falcons to sit on this side and everybody rooting for the Patriots to sit on this side. So is anybody actually rooting for the Patriots? Raise your hand. We'll pray for your soul and your soul. (laughs) That's up to you, but you know, God does have certain favorites and they're not on the list. Do you know, actually, this is very important, God's favorite football team? Do you know why? (laughs) They they said Broncos, very smart. Sunsets are blue and orange, right? Anyway, okay. (laughs) Boo, all right. What are? The bears? They're mostly black. That's bad. Anyway, let's pray so we can get on. Let's, let's, let me pray. <laughs> Lord Jesus Christ, uh, thank you. I thank you that you've made life fun. I thank you for relationships. I thank you for people. I thank you that you have made us each unique and different from one another. Um, and sometimes strife comes from that, but also great things come from that, from differences and, and learning to work together. And you are glorified in that. So I just, I thank you for the body of Christ, uh, the church that you have created, uh, the local church, the global church, your plan there, and, and you promised, Jesus, that you would build your church and the gates of hell would not prevail. And so we are on the winning team. Um, we may mess up at times, but we are on the winning team because we're on your team. Uh, and it's all about you, Jesus. We're here to glorify you. Open up our hearts uh, to what you have to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and grab your Bibles, if you would. Uh, Grab the Bible in the seat pocket in front of you or the box in front of you if you didn't bring one. We're going to be in 1 Timothy 4, so go ahead and turn there. But we are on our third week of the Game Plan series. And this is a series I've been looking forward to for months, trying to figure out what is God's plan for my life. And so we began, well, we've had, we missed two services because of weather, but we began asking the question, you know, have you ever asked God, what is your plan for my life? Or in the church, we often say, what is your will for my life? And the question is, does God have a plan for my life? Uh, And we would say, I would argue, God does have a unique and special plan for your life, and he wants you to know what it is. He he doesn't want to keep it a secret. It's not like a buried treasure somewhere that you have to follow this, this map and go find. He wants you to know what it is. And I think he's given us tools to figure out what it is. But the first one, and this is important, is Have you been praying and asking God to show you his plan for your life? It starts with that. Your relationship with Jesus and praying, God, show me your plan for my life. So if you haven't been doing that, make a note right now. (laughs) If you're a note taker, make a note. Begin praying, God, show me your plan for my life. Now, the first week, our big idea, our main point was stop looking at the future and start looking at Jesus. That instead of trying to figure out what God has for us in the future, we we need to start with Jesus. And so life isn't about really what I get to do. Life is about Jesus. And so the question we asked the first week isn't, God, what should I do with my life? It's, God, what should I do with your life in me? It changes the whole game, but it focuses on Jesus. Last week, the second week, we looked at God's moral and providential will. The, The big idea was that Understanding the known or or going all in, being submissive to the known will of God paves the way to discovering the unknown will of God. And there's the providential will, the things that God's going to do no matter what. It's just going to happen. Jesus is coming back. 
There's nothing you can do to stop that. He's coming back. He's going to judge sinners, and he's going to glorify believers. He's going to do that. That's part of his providential will. But really, now we're, we're talking, we have decisions to make. This is what's helpful about this series. We're going through life. All right, I have a decision. What do I do? God's moral will, as laid out in Scripture, is kind of like the boundaries, the, the lines on the road or the guardrails. And we know God's moral will. There's a lot of things laid out in Scripture. They're all based on love. We talked about that last week, love, love of God first and others second. But we bump up against those, those guardrails and we stay on the path to a certain extent. We know hopping over those rails and going off, we're, we're outside of God's will. So if somebody says, I think I'm going to marry this person who's not a believer, guess what? That's jumping over the guardrail and going this way. That's clear in scripture. Um, I'm going to go get drunk on Friday night. That's hopping over the guardrail. The Bible says, don't be drunk with wine. So there's some things that are very clear that help us. But we want to get into today more specific. How has God made you? And so the title of this one is The Playbook. The Playbook. You know, we're game plan series, kind of looking at sports and football. And it's kind of like we're on a team, but we all have different positions. And we want to figure out what our position is on the team. And it's very important. And God has made you in a unique way. He has put his fingerprints on you to help you discover your position on the team. Before we get into it, though, I, I want to address an, an issue I have that you might have too. And that issue is looking at somebody else or looking at um, a type of person and wanting to be that. So I remember in seventh grade, all the cool kids were playing basketball. So I tried out for the basketball team. Um, I am slow. I was slow. I couldn't shoot. <laughs> I, I, I got cut from the team, which was good. I shouldn't have been trying out anyway. And so I went to what fit me wrestling because I was smaller and more aggressive. And so I had an image of what I wanted. The cool kids do that. So that's what I should do. Um, and I was disappointed. Uh, same thing happened to me ongoing in life is, is looking at other people um, and thinking, I want my life to look like that. I remember when I was 16, and I went on a missions trip with Teen Missions, and the organizer of, of Teen Missions, you know, 25 years before, his name is Bob Bland, and he kind of organized this, and I looked at what he had accomplished, all these people growing in their faith and going on missions, and I'm like, I want my life to look like that. I want to build something, and so I looked at him, which it's not bad to have role models. That's great, but the danger is when we try and pattern our life after somebody else, and run their race. So, you know, we have some, some runners in here. Uh, Christy, you're a runner, right? No? No, you're a swimmer. She's a swimmer. <laughs> um, but so we have, we have runners. Uh, you're a runner. I know that. And you are not a sprinter, right, Andrew? Okay. So he, he knows his race. His race is not the 40-yard dash, um, if they do that. Do they do the 40-yard dash? You don't even, he doesn't even know. Um, but if you have somebody who's a sprinter and they go out and they try and run like a 5K, it's not going to go so well for them. Or somebody who runs a long distance, they're going to come and try and do, you know, the short hurdles. We want to figure out wh where do we fit? And so we want to run our race rather than running somebody else's race. And so that's why we're looking at the playbook. And I want to set you free this morning. And really, I, I do. I want you to get this. I want to set you free. God, uh, some years ago, I, I feel really kind of set me free in a way um, to be who he wanted me to be. There's some things about me that I find frustrating sometimes. Um, and if you know me at all, uh, I don't really fit the pastor mold. Um, <laughs> some of you are laughing. But there's, there's kind of, you know, the American pastor image is 
mild-mannered and, and very organized, right, um, calm, and that's just not the way God made me. Um, I love to study, and I can spend a long time studying it, but, but I just don't fit that mold, and there was, there was a struggle in me about that. And one, one, there was a man who, who knew me well, uh, personally and, and professionally, and he, he wrote this assessment about me, and it really kind of set me free, because the first line of this assessment said, Derek is a barbarian. Yeah, if he wants to dig a hole, he's going to use a grenade. And other people that read it were kind of offended for me. Um, but when I read it, I was like, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and it, and it kind of set me free a little bit that God made me this way. You know, in, in college, people just say, yeah, don't, he's a little rough around the edges. That's the way God, God made me. And I've tried to polish off those rough, rough edges, but part of it is that's just, that's the way God made me. Now, couple some of that with, with other assessments that I took. Maybe you've heard of strength finders. Uh, strength finders is a cool test, and I did that, and I think there's 37 strengths, and I discovered my 37th strength, which is my greatest weakness, is organization. And I've struggled with that, you know, because I've said, okay, um, I think I have the gift of leadership, but how can you lead and not be organized? You know, my number one strength was adaptability, which is really frustrating for people who have the gift of administration. Because for me, I'm like, yeah, we'll just figure it out. Here we go. That's, and I'm good at that. So you see, some of that set me free to be me, to be who God made me to be, but also recognize there's weaknesses in there. And so how do we work together as a body? Because we're supposed to do it together. Nobody has all the strengths. And so today, here's my goal, that you discover or get the tools to discover God's fingerprints on you and you are set free to be who God made you to be rather than trying to be somebody else. God's fingerprints on you are clues about his plans for you. This is in your notes. God's fingerprints on you are clues about his plans for you. God created unique and specific. The more you understand how God has created you, the easier it will be to discern his plans for you. So we're going to look at Timothy. Timothy was a young pastor. Um, your gifts are probably different than Timothy's, but the concepts we're going to see are the same. Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's giving him some instruction and direction on how to live his life within his gifting. And so we're going to learn a lot from in 1 Timothy 4, 14 through 16. <laughs> the saying is trustworthy. Let me read 1 Timothy 4, 14 through 16. <laughs> Paul writes this to Timothy. He says, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. This is Timothy. Now let's start this out in verse 14. He says, do not neglect the gift you have. We need to start there. Do you know that when you by faith accepted Jesus as Lord of your life and you were saved, you know, there's a moment of salvation that you were given a spiritual gift. Because when that happened, you were given the Holy Spirit to dwell in you. And with him came a unique ability, a gift for you to use. Look with me, 1 Corinthians, you can turn there, but I think it's going to be on the screen. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 8. This is the same writer, Paul, and he's writing about gifts. And he says this, 
Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. That's the Holy Spirit that indwells every believer. And there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. That's referring to Jesus Christ. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. So you even see the, the Trinity in reference here. The Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit are present with you, empowering you to do something for his glory. Um, verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. You see, this is why it's given, not for you selfishly, but for the common good, for the church first and outside. Verse 8, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. And to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the one spirit. To another, the working of miracles, prophecy. And he goes on and he talks about other gifts. But here's the point. When you accepted Jesus as Lord of your life, you were given a gift. And it's different than other people's gifts. The Bible is, is there's several places where you can go to look at these lists of gifts. Um, Ephesians 4 Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, those are the main places where we see these. And so you are given at least one, probably more, and the way they work together in your life is very unique. And so we want to discover what our gifting is. 1 Peter 4.10, this is a different author now, this is the Apostle Peter, and he says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength God supplies. Every Jesus follower is given at least one unique ability to be used for the common good. These are called spiritual gifts. And you see in Peter, it appears like there's kind of two sections. There's speaking gifts and there's serving gifts. So if you want broad categories, speaking gifts and serving gifts. And of course, they can be used in a, in a myriad of ways. But are you one that you have the gift of knowledge, you know things. If you do, then you have that gift so you can help others understand things. If you have the gift of teaching, that's a speaking gift. That's for you to help others. It doesn't mean always this kind of teaching. So if you're scared to be in front of some of people and you think I have, you have a teaching gift, you can use that in a bunch of different ways. You can use it with kids. You can use it with your neighbors. Um, serving, speaking gifts broad categories. Your gifting, again, listen, is God's fingerprint on you and is an indicator of his plan for you. So how can you discover your gifting? I asked a lot of you this morning as you were walking in, what's your spiritual gift? Some of you were like, oh, it's this and this. Some of you went, uh, I kind of am good at this and that. And, and what you said actually fit into a category. And, and some of you said, well, are dogs a gift? <laughs> well, no, but compassion and mercy. There are gifts that fit with, with some of these other things. So how can you discover yours? We want to discover what your gift is. Let's look back at Timothy. Look at verse 14. So he says, do not neglect the gift. We know what that is now. The gift you have, which was given you by the prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. The, the council of elders, these were spiritually mature people that recognized Timothy's gifting, something Timothy was good at, and then they sent him to do it. So something similar would be uh, recognizing, you know, someone who has a, a gift of, of uh, maybe hospitality and teaching or whatever, and so we come together and say, we really think you should be a small group leader. 
We call them outpost groups. Would you be willing to lead an outpost group? We see this in you. Um, That's what happened here. These leaders, people who knew the Bible, who knew Jesus, saw Timothy. And Timothy had been involved in service, obviously. He had been involved with the church. And so they were able to recognize his gifting. And so they came around him and they said, Timothy, we want to send you as a pastor. He went and he was a young pastor. We're going to commission you to do this. And so how do you discover your gifting? Here's the first one. Get involved, for one. We, we Definitely, we understand that, that he has been involved. But um, one of the best ways to discover your gifting is to listen to mature Jesus followers who know you and have seen you in service and ministry. People who know you and have seen you in service and ministry. This gift of prophecy, or the prophecy over them, some of us might be confused by that. This isn't predicting the future prophecy. Uh, This is more, we see God wants to use you in a certain way. And, And spiritual leaders, those mature in Christ, can see this in others. And some people have a unique gift of discernment. That's a gift in itself where you see people see what they're good at. Well, part of your responsibility is to go to them and say, hey, you're good at this. Maybe this is where you should be. And so these leaders did that with Timothy. And they commissioned him and they they sent him. So for you, when has somebody ever said, and and this, this could be anybody, but when have they said, you did this and it made a big deal to me? Whatever it was. Uh, you, you know, when we were at your house, we were really comfortable. You just made us comfortable. We, we brought some others. You know, maybe you have the gift of hospitality. Or somebody comes back, remember when you gave me that advice? You told me this. I actually did that, and you were right. It really worked out. Well, that could be the gift of wisdom. A gift of wisdom fits with a counselor, meaning you see what's going on in somebody's life. You see how it lines up with scripture, and you can give good counsel. That, that's the gift of wisdom. So when has that happened to you? where somebody has pointed it out. Don't ignore that. That's a big deal, especially if it's your spouse or somebody really close to you. If it's your mom, ignore that one because they're just biased. <laughs> you know, yeah, you're a great dancer, son. Um, but if somebody's, if somebody's close to you, listen to them. You know, this was one for me um, w- w- when I would take spiritual gifts tests, and, and we're going to offer you one of those. Uh, one that would come up for me was leadership, but I kind of fought with that. I, I don't delegate very well. You know, my delegation is more, there's a job, go do it. <laughs> and, and so there's some lack of communication sometimes there. And so I struggled with that until Callie at one point said, Derek, stop it, get over it. Yes, you have this gift and you have to go use it. But that was helpful for me. Somebody who knew me well, loves the Lord, pointed it out, that made a big difference. Um, I wanna point this out too. I have seen frustration in people who think they have a gift that they probably don't have, or they want a gift that they probably don't have. And so they think I should be doing this, and partly it's because they looked at other people and they said, oh, this person, I I like their life and I want that. And so they start to pursue it. Often what I've noticed is these people ignore the counsel of others. Others say, no, you really should probably not pursue that, you should pursue this. No, I think it's this. And and that results in frustration and, and just go in the wrong way, really. So I would encourage you, seek wise counsel and then actually listen to it. And he says here in verse 14, do not neglect. Do not neglect the gift you have. What's the word neglect make you think of? Neglect. You know, a kid that's neglected, they're ignored, put to the side. That word means to uh, be careless of or to disregard or to perceive as without value. Do not neglect it. 
but be diligent with it. There is a direct correlation between knowing your gifts and putting them to use and discovering God's plan for you. So do not neglect. So we, we talked about spiritual gifts. It was about a year ago we were talking about spiritual gifts. And Taylor, who's back there running the soundboard, uh, he did some of that. And, and he thought, well, it looks like I have the gift of administration, which means you're good at organizing things. And, and he's like, that's so boring. <laughs> you know, can't I have a different gift? You know, but he recognized and over this last year, he's recognized this gift. And so he came up, or he sent me a text last week, said, hey, this Mexico missions trip, can I help with uh, administrating that, organizing things? That's where he, he didn't neglect it. He sees what his gifting is and says, okay, where can I use it? Oh, you're doing that Mexico trip. Let me save you the paperwork. Let me get involved in some of that. Wonderful. So he'll be at the meeting afterwards so he can figure out what needs to be done. But that's part of not neglecting, not perceiving it as without value because whatever it is that God has given you has great value because he has a purpose. He wants you to use it for his glory, for his kingdom, for his church, and for those not in the church yet. So don't neglect it. Verse 15, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. So this is the other side. Rather than neglecting it, practice it. And immerse yourself in it. Immerse, you know, like getting in a pool of water all surrounded. Give yourself wholly to the way God has made you. That's what he's talking about. In 2 Timothy 1.6, same author, Paul, writing to the same young pastor, Timothy. 2 Timothy 1.6, he says this about his gift. Fan into flame the gift you have been given. He's saying the same thing as here. Fan into flame the gift you have been given. So the gifts that you have... Don't come fully developed, just so you know. <laughs> they need to be fanned into flame. It's like a spark that you need to work at, you need to practice, get good at. Maybe you're good at teaching. Well, you gotta practice to get better at teaching. Maybe you're good at hospitality. You have the gift of hospitality, and it takes time to, to maybe learn, don't serve sardines. Um, or, you know, but practice these things and get better at them. Those with the gift of hospitality were like, who would do that? Um, but, but practice, give yourself to them. Fan into flame. What's the thing, uh, common thing with a fire? A fire just wants to go out, right? You have to constantly feed a fire. You blow the spark into a flame and you have to keep feeding the flame. If you don't use it, you'll lose it. Maybe you've heard that, that phrase, use it or lose it. It's like that with memorizing scripture. Maybe you've memorized scripture, but you gotta keep memorizing it, keep looking at it, or it's gonna go away. With your gifting, you're called to work on it. Do you have the gift of wisdom, getting wise counsel? Well, guess what? You need to be studying the Bible so that you can give people biblical counsel, so that you can see the pieces of how to take their life, line it up with scripture, and give them wise advice. Do you have the gift of knowledge? The gift of knowledge is somebody who can remember things well. They study well, they remember things well. If you have that gift, guess what? You don't just automatically know everything. You might think you do, <laughs> which can be the flip side of the gift of knowledge. But so, so study and learn so that you can share that. But fan into flame. Give yourself wholly to them. Use it. If you have the gift of hospitality, use it. Open up your home to your neighbors. Invite people over. If you have the gift of evangelism, we need you. <laughs> share your faith and show us how to also. That's the gift of evangelism. You don't just do it you help others learn how to do it. I don't have the, that gift. I've asked for that gift. And God says, no, 
Other people have that gift, and so you're going to have to work together. But, but use it. Practice it. Give yourself wholly to them. Sunday service, where we are right now. Sometimes we can be confused that this is where we use our gifts. Well, if that's true, how many people get to actually use their gifts on a Sunday? Not very many. No matter how big the church gets, how many speakers do you need? One. <laughs> how, many, how many tech people do you need? One and a half. Um, <laughs> how many people do you need in kids? That was, but it's, it's limited. So that's why I like to refer to what we're doing right now. This is the locker room pep talk. This isn't the game. We're talking about game plan. This isn't the game. This is the locker room pep talk. This is where we get fired up. This is where we learn the game plan. And then the game is out there. That's why we emphasize groups too. Because in groups, all these gifts get to be used within groups and more effectively. Somebody with the gift of evangelism in a group gets to help the others do evangelism. Because by the way, we're all called to share our faith, not just those gifted in evangelism. But that person is very helpful within groups. Hospitality. How many people can we have here helping with the coffee and things like that? So get in a group, open up your home or, or volunteer to bring food, whatever it is. You can use your gifts in the group and helping through the group out. That's why we do emphasize groups because in groups, more of us get to use our gifting the way God has made us and we will have a greater impact for the kingdom. You will have a greater impact for the kingdom. So give yourself wholly to them. That's, that's verse 15, practice. And he said, so that all may see your progress. You remember what we saw elsewhere? Why are gifts given? Peter said it. Paul said it. They're given for the common good. Your gift shouldn't be a secret. Now, I, I understand and I agree with what the Bible says. Uh, you know, don't let your left hand see what your right hand is doing. So you don't serve and tell everybody, look how good I'm serving. That's, that's not the point. But our gifts are to be used publicly for the common good. If you have the gift of giving, that is a gift. You like to give. It's just, you're good at giving sacrificially. Maybe more than you think you can afford, but it just brings you joy to give. That's a spiritual gift, by the way. That's the Holy Spirit in you. If you have that gift going, I just want to give. Well, guess what? Use it. That's one that's more careful because the Bible says in reference, in reference to giving, don't let your left hand see what your right hand is doing. So you don't, ding, 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 look at the check I just wrote and put that in. You know, so there's some, there's some that people aren't really going to know, but most Listen, most are carried out within the body and people know. We should know each other's gifting. Why? So that when things happen, we know who to call. So <laughs> we, uh, quarterly, we do this discovery dinner. We used to call it the all-in dinner, where if you're, you're new, uh, you've been here a little bit, you can get to know us a little more. We have a meal. Well, two ago, I did the meal. And so I, I burned the noodles. Maybe some of you were there. They were smoky flavored. They were really tasty. <laughs> but because I, I was doing other stuff and I had a pot outside cooking the noodles and a, my spoon didn't go all the way to the bottom. <laughs> so Kelsey and Sherry came up to me at that meeting and they said, next time you do this, let us do that part because that's where their gifting lies, not mine. And so this last one, they did. That's, that's why we need to know each other's gifting so that we can be more effective in ministry and doing what God calls us to do. So it's not just for you, it's for the common good. That's why early on I was asking people what their gifts are. We, we do it for the common good. So what do we do? We're gonna look at verse 16 in a minute, but maybe I hope you're sitting there going, I wish I knew what my gifting was. I wish I knew God's design on me. I'm gonna help you. Here's our two action items for today. One, 
Know your gifts. Know your gifts. There is a, a, a list on the back of the gifts. It's not an exhaustive list, but it's a pretty good list on the back, and it describes what the gifts are. Grab one of those. Here's the other thing. On our website, Paul did a good job of linking to spiritualgiftstest.com. Go there and take it. That test doesn't take very long, maybe 10, 15 minutes max. Take that test, see what it says, ask the people close to you, do you think this is true? Discover it. Now, this is important. Trying to discover your gift is important, but waiting till you know exactly what it is before you get involved is a mistake because the way you're going to discover more what your gifting is is by jumping in and getting involved. The kids, we always need help over there. It's a big deal. You know, we'll have to do a background check before you can serve over there, but go over there. Maybe that's your thing and you discover that's awesome. Maybe you do it once and you're like, this is crazy. <laughs> but, getting, but getting involved helps you discover what your gifting is. And I would argue this too. Some might disagree with me. I don't think the list of gifts we have in scripture is exhaustive. I don't think it is. The reason why is there's several different places with lists. And as they were written and given out, nobody got the full list. The Corinthians got some, the Ephesians got some. Did they share? Probably. But, but I'm not convinced that everybody knew the whole list, which means if we have to know exactly what ours is according to the list, that might not be possible. So don't be constrained is what I mean. Discover what you're good at. Discover how God uses you to bless others. And if you can label it, great. If you can't, just shrug your shoulders and, and keep serving in a way that you see being effective. I hope that makes sense. But we can help define it as we take this spiritual gifts test and look at that. There's another tool that I want to give you, and it is um, the Your Unique Design Profile. And it's done by a company called Servants by Design. So it's, it's made for you and me, Christians. Um, and if you're not a Christian, then give your life to Christ, and, and then it's for you too. Um, that was last week. What's God's will for you? It starts with bowing the knee to Jesus. That's how it starts. Bow the knee to Jesus, and then you can discover. But this profile is great. Now, here's the downside. It costs 25 bucks, but it's worth every penny. Um, the first five pages of mine is on the back. So if you're curious about what that looks like, it's on there. He, uh, in this, it's some people that put it together, but it outlines kind of six personality traits, six different ones, and, and we're made differently. And so it's helpful to see what's your, your strongest. So for me, my strongest, it's persister, which means uh, all of my life, I, I base it on my values and beliefs. That's kind of my, my ground floor. Um, and so I, I view life through what I believe. I'm kind of black and white to a certain extent. Um, but then my, my second one is catalyzer. Well, the catalyzer personality is the one that wants to get things done. It's the one that sees something and jumps on it, makes decisions and, and goes, and hey, we're all going this way. Well, that's, that's part of how God made me. So I ought to operate within that. Now, harmonizer is one of those. Harmonizer is the person that just, we all have to get along. You know, I'm really low on that. <laughs> Which means if you're a harmonizer, I might bug you sometimes. Um, and you might bug me sometimes. But the great thing about this test is that we figure that out. Yeah, and you learn, husbands, wives, take this. It'll help you understand each other. So again, it's 25 bucks, but it's worth it because it outlines uh, your personality and it's fairly accurate. I, I mean, most of the time it's really accurate, but it also gives you warnings. It says your personality type, here's the danger. And as I read, it's so true. It's really helpful. So doing both of those can be very, very helpful. But then also in a group, share, let's, let's talk, share with those who know you. And you know, our groups are kind of just starting out. We're just getting to know each other. So it's a great time, but 
discover what your gifting is. Discover how God has made you. Um, and then number two, leverage opportunities to use your gifts. Leverage opportunities to use your gifts. It's not good enough just knowing what they are. Start using them. If you don't know what they are, start using them. <laughs> Get involved. Um, and like I said, our primary area is within and through groups, so more of us can. But there's stuff that needs to be done here. Are you a techie? You know, we can use in the back. Uh, are you a teacher? You love kids. We can use you over there. But here's the thing. Don't try and force a wrong fit. If something doesn't fit, great. Move on to something else. And don't let somebody pressure you into doing something that's not your fit because you'll burn out. You'll burn out. That's not the way God made you. Now, our last verse, look at verse 16, 1 Timothy 4, 16. Paul says this, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So Timothy had a gift of, of teaching, of pastoring, something along those lines. And so he was saying, you will save both your, yourself and your hearers. But here's what's really helpful for you and me, because we might not have that gift. But this is helpful at the beginning of verse 16. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Two things. Watch yourself. This goes back to our first lesson. What's our primary focus? Jesus. Anything of value that we do is simply Jesus living his life in and through us. Which means if we detach from Jesus and try and operate independently, we're going to have no value. So watch yourself. Stay tight to Jesus first and then let it flow through you. Watch yourself and watch your doctrine. Also, what, what do you believe? Make sure it lines up with scripture. That's where we find doctrine. So study the word, live according to the word. Really, this can also line up with, with following God's moral will as laid out in scripture. Ralph Earl, a commentator, writes this on this verse. He says, the very first thing that every Christian worker, which is all of us, by the way, not just those that get paid. If you're a Christian, you're a Christian worker using your gift for God's glory. The very first thing that every Christian worker must watch is himself or herself. Not only his outward life, but his inner thoughts and feelings. His inner thoughts and feelings. Watch. Watch yourself. This, this may sound easy. You may be like, duh. This happens all the time. And I'm just going to pick on myself. Pastors, this happens all the time with pastors. You don't know how many pastors uh, lose their ministry because of sexual immorality. It seems like duh, right? That's so plain in scripture. But they get, they get off and they get, they're still doing their ministry. And I read about one pastor who he was, he was living, he was having an affair and leading a church, a big one. And he made the comment, I thought God was giving a pass on my personal life because ministry was so successful. Like, what? <laughs> this is somebody who knows the Bible really well. So we can get off. Watch yourself and then carry out ministry. I hope that makes sense. And your doctrine as well. So it comes back to the question from the beginning, not God, what should I do with my life? But God, what should I do with your life that's in me? Dream with me for a minute. What if, what if we all knew our gifting or had a good idea? And what if we were all using it for the common good? The first thing that would be a little bit overwhelming for leadership, 
which would be awesome, <laughs> to go, okay, how, we would need more leaders, but how do we all function together? How exciting would that be if the dreamers dreamed, dreamt, <laughs> if the dreamers had big dreams of what God could do, if, if the, the leaders grabbed onto those dreams and said, I'm going to help get this done, the servants said yes, and they, they got in and got involved, what, what if, what if, what could we accomplish for the kingdom, or better, what could God accomplish for the kingdom through us? That would be exciting. So we have to discover our gifts and then use them together, together. So we've given you the tools. Here's how we finish. We want you to, to take the gifts test. Do, if you can afford it, do the personality profile. If you can't afford it, do something so you can. It's worth it. Um, but if you're also sitting here going, well, then what do I do with it? Or how do I discover what that is? We want to help you. And so this is a big deal to us. This is why we think part of the church like this exists is for equipping of the saints for the work of service. That's what Ephesians 4.12 says, that, that we are here to equip the saints, all the believers, to carry out the work of service. And so we want to help you do that. So if you would, um, you got a bulletin when you came in. That's here. Grab that. Fill out as much of the, the connection information as you are comfortable with. And if you want to talk about this, we want to get together with you soon to talk about this. We want to hear about your passions, your ideas. We want you to take the spiritual gifts test and help you figure that out, help you talk about it. If that's you, I want you to, under here where it says need prayer, this box, write gifts conversation. Just write that in there. Gifts conversation, your information, tear this off or just put it like this. Put it in that box. That's our offering box right there. Put it in there and we'll get a hold of you and, and get together. Somebody will get together with you to have that conversation because it's a big deal. We want to help you discover God's plan for you and help you go there. And then guess what? As you figure yours out, you get to help others do the same thing. That's this Christian life in community as the church. So we're serious. You're not putting anybody out if you do that, by the way. Write on their gifts conversation and put it in the back. Let me pray, and we're going to worship some more. Lord Jesus Christ, um, thank you that you have gifted us. Thank you that we are united in one spirit. There's only one Holy Spirit. There's only one Jesus, one Lord. There's only one God. And you give us each different gifts to use for your glory. And we're supposed to use them in your power. And so I pray that, God, you would convict us that if we don't know our gifts, to discover them, that we would take steps. The Bible says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. If we just hear this and walk out, we wasted an hour. I pray, please, let us take the steps to discover our gifting and then show us how to use them. And sometimes that's sticky. Sometimes we try and we mess up, um, but that's part of who we are and that's okay. But I pray that we would, we would get involved, we would start serving in some way and that you would direct us. We know very clearly that it's, it's much easier to steer a moving ship than a ship sitting in the harbor. So I pray that you would light a fire in each of us, that we would get moving in service to you and prayerfully asking for you to direct us. And then please direct us. Direct us individually, direct us as groups, direct us as a whole church to go your direction again for your glory. And we pray that we would see great fruit for your kingdom, not for us individually, but for you. Because we love you. Now please be glorified as we close in song. In Jesus' name, amen.